right, welcome to today's edition of the Council Roundup. Not the typical Council Roundup that you would ordinarily get with Greg Bishop, who meticulously goes through and picks out the best sound bites and the most interesting discussions from the Council meeting uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, just my schedule over the last 24 hours didn't really permit me to uh, to do that to that extent. Also, it was kind of a dull agenda last night. Not a whole lot going on, but a couple of things you need to know about. And so, uh, in lieu of the normal council roundup, we have gone straight to the sources, uh, to uh, two members of the Springfield City Council who will be with us here back-to-back over this hour. And we start with Ward 6 Alderwoman Kristen Desenzo live on the phone with us this morning. Alderwoman, great to have you here. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Well, again, as I said, I looked over the agenda. It didn't look like there was much terribly exciting happening, just the usual uh, normal routine business. Uh, There were a couple of things of note, though. So uh, take us through. What did you see as the most important things coming out of the meeting last night? I think the most important thing we discussed last night was the lobbying ordinance that came forward. Now, help me with this, because this was something that was being discussed a a number of months ago, and I I thought we approved a a lobbying contract back then. Was that just a a one-shot? Are we having to do this every six months, every year? What what happened last night different from what was talked about before? We approved the enabling ordinance a few months ago, and I sponsored that, and eight other older people jumped on to co-sponsor with me, so there were nine in total. Uh, And then just over the last few weeks, we held interviews with six lobbying firms to determine who was going to be our lobbyist. An RFP went out, and interviews were held, so now we have that group that that we are going to approve to be our lobbyist. Uh, cutting this right to the wire because the fall veto session actually starts next Tuesday during the day. You won't be able to vote on this until Tuesday night. Will that lobbyist be able to hit the ground running on Wednesday if there are things of importance at the legislature next week? Well, I don't know if they'll be in place by veto session, and that that wasn't really the plan. We were hoping to have them in place by spring session. Uh, but if they are able to be in place by a veto session, then we hope to put them to work right away. What uh, What's the value of this to the taxpayers of Springfield? Why is this a good deal for us? It's a great deal for us. Uh, we have two very dynamic uh, lobbyists that are going to go into the Capitol and see what's going on, see what opportunities are there for the city of Springfield and get us on you know, on in line for those opportunities. We haven't had a lobbyist in Springfield for years. It's desperately needed. Um, that became, a, you know, abundantly clear during the energy negotiations where we had Doug Brown going downtown to lobby. Um, Doug Brown is not a lobbyist. I'm sure he didn't even want to be there doing that. But and I'm sure he didn't have the relationships needed, uh, you know, to get what what the city needed to protect CWLP. So. You know, what we have going forward is a really good uh, group of people. Historically, uh, we have a legislature that is dominated by Chicago politicians. Springfield uh, has usually seemed to be an afterthought for them. Does the presence of a lobbyist really change that? Does it really put us more on the map? Could it get us maybe a casino at some point? Could it have gotten us a better deal on the energy bill? Or are we still really at the mercy of, of Chicago politicians? Well, one of the lobbyists is a a former Chicago politician. So (laughs) uh, I think we we are positioned in a a really great way uh, with the firm that was chosen. Uh, 
We're talking with Alderwoman Kristen DeCenzo about last night's Springfield City Council meeting. I know one of the uh, areas where this has come up in needing some legislative help at some point is about the extension of the Enos Park TIF, which has been uh, an ongoing excruciating battle. This was talked about a little bit last night as well uh, because of the fact that uh, we still can't get uh, Capital Township to uh, to sign off on this. Uh, Any movement on that? Where does that stand? No, there's been no movement, and it's extremely unfortunate. Um, you know, this is this is game playing at its finest, and you know it's providing a letter. Now, a letter isn't needed; it's not required by the General Assembly, but it is desired. So, you know, hopefully, we can get this moving forward and wrap this up. Uh, this uh, came up in the context too of the fact that uh, we we do as a city find ourselves uh, far too often at the mercy of Sangamon County or of Capital Township, and they are, are kind of you know calling the shots, and we have to dance to their tune. I know this was part of the discussion when you brought up an issue last night related to Sangamon County Animal Control, which the county runs, but the city helps to subsidize, and there's been big concerns there this week because we've had uh, reports of multiple deaths of cats that had been held at uh, animal control uh, because of a a contagious cat virus, basically. Uh, And so you raised this issue last night before the council. I did. And let's be very clear. The city of Springfield is the main funder for animal control, Um, not just what the city pays for, uh, which I vote against every time this contract comes up because I think it's complete garbage. But uh, it's also what uh, the citizens of Springfield pay in their fees and fines for their cats and dogs. So, you know, the fact that we have no say, uh, we don't have a seat on the Board of Health, um, we haven't had a seat on the Board of Health for for some time, um, and it's just, you know, the, the shelter is obviously not being run in an efficient or safe manner for animals. And if they can't, if you, their own friends of group is speaking out against them, there is a real problem there. What can the city do about it with all the money you're pouring into it? So this last contract was for about $286,000. And I think we need to look into, uh, you know, privatizing this and bringing it back to the city. I think, you know, those funds that are paid, you know, to animal control currently need to come back to the city. It was just announced over the last few weeks that we are going to be helping um, smaller community or animal control was going to be helping smaller communities and not you know, not charging them anything. So we're paying for that as well. Um, I think it's just time for it to come back to the city and see if there is someone out there who is able and capable of doing this. I know there was some uh, discussion about that last night. Alderman Hanauer in particular said, uh, there's no way we could run this ourselves for what we're paying the the county to, to handle it here. Do you have any idea how much it would cost for the city to take on animal control services and take it back from Sangamon County? Well, right now we are paying um, $286,000, the city is, but Sangamon County or Springfield city of Springfield residents are paying between seven hundred and eight hundred thousand dollars a year in fees and fines. So, you know, if we're talking close to a million dollars a year, I let, let's see what we can do. Let's put an RFP out there and see if it's possible. I mean, we don't know if it's possible until we actually ask the question. So at least let's get the ball rolling and see what can be done. Should we expect an ordinance forthcoming on this? 
I think you're going to definitely see an ordinance forthcoming on those. Alderwoman Kristen Desenzo is uh, here with us. Uh, well, we've got you. Let me ask you about a few other things that uh, have been occupying the council's time in recent weeks. We got the word uh, last week, not terribly surprising, but uh, about the uh, suspension and the planned early retirement of Dolman 33. And uh, obviously that has broad implications for the long-range future of city water, light, and power and for the uh, availability of electricity for our local rate payers here. Uh, What's your sense of how this is playing out and what should the next steps be for city water, light, and power? It's an unfortunate situation. You know, we didn't want to lose uh, Unit 33 this early, um, but we were set to retire it in 2023. So it's just a little earlier than expected. I'm, I'm most concerned with the employees out there who had planned on being out there until 2023. Uh, most are going to have jobs to go to, but they might not be as, as high paying as, as they were at 33. Um, as far as the rate pairs go, Dalman 4 is still up and running and it, it looks like it can, can accommodate uh, the load, and I think we'll be in decent shape. The fire department is a, another area that Alderman have been giving a lot of scrutiny to this year, uh, cutting money from the budget initially, then putting that money back, and now saying we need, need to do more to bring more firefighters in to alleviate some of the burden on, on overtime there. What's your take on uh, staffing levels in the fire department and what needs to happen next? Well, if we don't want to see this exorbitant overtime by the fire department, we need to staff them up. And they are currently going to arbitration for their contract because they cannot reach an agreement with the city. So, you know, it was on on your own website just last week. There was one article where the mayor said we need to staff up public works. And the, the next article was, you know, city can't reach agreement with the firefighters over staffing. So I think we need to, you know, what are our priorities? Of course, infrastructure is a high priority, and of course, public works needs to be funded. But we have to keep in mind safety. You know, I represent an older ward where structure fires are almost an everyday occurrence or a very regular occurrence. So I think we need to definitely make sure that our firefighters are sufficiently staffed. And I was not in favor of, I was one of the four that voted against cutting the firefighters' budget initially. So, I, you know, I am not for that at all. A couple other things. Uh, we had this uh, push uh, last week uh, to prevent future 3 a.m. licenses. There's also been the ongoing efforts to restrict gaming establishments uh, in the community and try to, to limit the number of those going forward. Uh, and some of that seems to have petered out a little bit. Uh, do you expect that to come back? And are those things that the city council should be pursuing? Um, the, the ban on 3 a.m. licenses was voted down, but the mayor has made it very clear that he has a moratorium in place on 3 a.m. licenses. You know, I grew up going to 3 a.m. bars in Springfield, and I think we need to let the, the market dictate how that goes as far as 3 a.m. licenses and gaming. You know, if there's a demand there, do, do I? I don't gamble. I don't use the machine, so it doesn't it doesn't bother me, and I don't think it's, you know— gross or nasty to walk into a place that has gaming, that doesn't offend me. But, um, you know, what does offend me is there are people that are making a lot of money off these gaming machines, and they don't want anyone else to to make that money. So I say let the the market decide what, what this city wants.
We're also expecting uh, one or more ordinances to resurface related to uh, the panhandling, the soliciting for money, especially at, at intersections and some of the very high traffic areas of town. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I know there's been some concern about uh, First Amendment issues with all of that, but there's also safety issues involved. How far should the city council go to, to limit some of those activities? I think we have to be very careful. Do I like seeing panhandlers in the middle of medians? Absolutely not. But we've already lost one lawsuit, uh, you know, to the tune of $333,000. And we cannot afford to lose in that manner again. So I think we need to be very careful about what we're doing and check what we can and can't do before we proceed. And that's why they've been held in committee for so long. Finally, Alderwoman Kristen Desenzo, before I let you go, we're here in the uh, last quarter of 2021. It's going to be 2023 before we know it. Have you given any thought at all to your plans for the next election cycle? Absolutely. And? <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, can, can you say, are you thinking about running for re-election? Are you thinking about something else at this point? Is that a possibility? I'm leaving all options open at this point. What, what, what's your overall sense as to the direction the city's headed right now? Are you, are you satisfied, dissatisfied? What, where do you stand on that? I just think we need to, you know, really kind of think to the future and modernize. I mean, we always talk about wanting to attract younger people, but we're not doing that. So why aren't we doing that? Um, you know, I think... I don't I think we're just coming out of a, a pandemic. And, you know, every time we think we're coming out, we're, we're, we're back in. So I, it's hard to get a sense of exactly where we are. I know businesses are struggling to find, you know, help. Um, and I know a lot of businesses have, have closed. So we really need to focus on economic development. Um, we really need to focus on getting younger people here and, you know, revitalizing the city. I'm concerned about downtown. Um so, but it is hard to say what, where we're, you know, how we are, how we're doing, uh, because we've been in this, you know, kind of limbo for for such a long time. Uh, and we don't have an economic development director for the city right now, although we have uh, a lot of staff still working on that. Is is that sufficient at this point for in, in your view? No, absolutely not. This is insanity. We've had millions of dollars pouring into the city. And we haven't had an economic development director since March. I mean, this is completely um, just unheard of. I don't, I don't know why anyone thinks this is a good idea. Alderwoman Kristen Desenzo, thank you so much for your time. Always great to talk to you. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care. Thanks, Jim. Welcome back to the WMAY Morning News Feed with Jim Leach and for Greg Bishop all this week. And again with a, a modified council roundup today. Nobody does it quite like Bishop, so um, I didn't even bother to try. And instead, I've gone the easy route by letting the aldermen do all of the heavy lifting this morning. We had Alderwoman Kristen Desenzo on in the last segment. Now Alderman Jim Donnellan from Ward 9 joins us live this morning. And Alderman, great to talk to you. It's been a while since we've had a chance to have a one-on-one conversation. have you been? Well, it sure has. I've been really doing really well. How about yourself, Jim? Very well indeed. Thank you. Way too early for to be me up. This morning. Oh, good lord! It's just it's so early. Morning morning shows would be great if we could do them, you know, at three in the afternoon, like I usually do. So, uh, but in any event, uh, thank you for being here after well, sure. uh, last night's committee of the whole meeting. Uh, not a, a terribly exciting agenda, but we we know there was the uh, preliminary approval uh, for the city to hire its own lobbyist. Where'd you stand on that? 
Oh, absolutely for it. Long overdue, something that has needed to have been done years ago. Actually, I think Mayor Davlin proposed it years ago and talked to the council about it, and they weren't in favor of it at the time. So uh, I'm happy to see this moving forward for sure. How often do things come up before the legislature that we could really benefit from having our own lobbyists? For, this is, what, a $75,000 contract? Is that right? Yeah, and it's every, it's every, the answer to your question is every single day they're in session and when they're not in session. And, uh, you know, we not only have to put together an agenda of items that we feel are important to the city and the area, but we also have to be ready. I mean, the legislature is so organic. A lot of things happen extremely quickly. And if you're not in, the, in on the discussions and have people with boots on the ground, you lose out. And we've, lose, we've, lo- we've lost out over the years for sure. Uh, what do you think um... – I, I, I'm putting some of the same questions as you I put to Alderman DeCenzo, but, uh, you know, ultimately, we still have a legislature that's dominated by Chicago Democrats. Springfield has always seemed to be something of an afterthought. And, yeah, we can put a lobbyist in the mix, but uh, the, the majority is still going to vote in the majority's interests. Uh, do, do you see this making a meaningful difference if it comes down to Chicago's priorities versus Springfield's priorities? Can we really put ourselves more on the map than we have been for all these years? I think we have a lot of things going for us. Uh, we're the capital city. All of the legislators actually come to come to Springfield and they experience Springfield so they know it. They're vested in Springfield. And I think, again, having people that are there constantly advocating our interest is, is invaluable. And uh, it's, you know, it's something that at times I don't even know if you can measure. I'm a big metrics guy, but and you know, you look at your rate of return on whatever you invest in. But I think this this is going to prove invaluable in the long term. Whether it's an issue that pops up like the recent energy issue that we had at the Capitol building that impacted Springfield, or whether it's an infrastructure bill and things of that nature, I think if you talk to uh, Democrats and Republican legislators. Uh, you know, people are interested in Springfield, like I said, just because, if nothing else, they could they come here. And it's not like a, a city in deep southern Illinois where maybe a Chicago uh, legislature uh, never goes down there. Uh, the the lobbyist would, I assume, answer to the mayor. Will the uh, members of the city council have any input to, you know, to phone up the lobbyist and say, hey, uh, can you look at this or do something about this particular issue? How does that chain of command work? Well, it, it, the structure is uh, not unlike any other uh, departmental head the city has. Is There is absolute uh, – the mayor is the CEO of the city. That's pretty clear in the way we're set up. And uh, But the council it was made clear last night through some brief discussions we had that we're, we are going to be able to provide input. And that, that's whether it's uh, some type of program or some type of uh, infrastructure need the city has. Uh, we're going to have that input, and I'm, I'm excited about that. I think it needs to be done, and, and uh, I guarantee I, I have a list, that's for sure. Uh, assuming final approval next week, uh, the lobbyist may or may not be ready to roll while there's still time going on in the fall veto session. Uh, there is one issue I thought was interesting that could come up in the fall veto session that would have a direct impact on city government, and that's the Illinois Municipal League is pushing for legislation that would allow remote hearings to continue even once the pandemic I- emergency is officially over. We did a lot of Zoom meetings. Uh, last year, and, and they say that cities should have the ability to keep doing that, even absent a, a governor's emergency order like a pandemic, because they say it does allow for more transparency and for more citizen involvement. Is that a good idea in your view? Should the city uh, continue to have the, the remote uh, meeting option even after the pandemic? 
Well, there is a, an existing statute that allows uh, participants of a public body, such as uh, Alderman in our example, uh, to participate electronically, but only for certain reasons, like if they were ill or, or out of town on business and, and things of that nature. However, uh, the, you know, obviously the Zoom component, we'll call it, uh, in the last, during the pandemic, it's worked. But I got to say that I personally am an advocate. I don't think anybody would be otherwise that we're personally an advocate of in-person meetings. I think we, uh, we lose, although uh, it's, it's convenient to have Zoom meetings, especially during a pandemic, uh, might even be necessary in that example. But we, you lose something. Um, I had not heard that the, the Illinois Municipal League is pushing this. I, I, you know, it's something I haven't spoken with Brad Cole about, but uh, it's it's something that probably should be discussed. Uh, there probably should be some triggers. Um, it can't, you know, you got to be very careful because uh, transparency and open government is so important. We have an Open Meetings Act, and uh, you know, it, it, it is exactly what it sounds like. It is. It's meant to make sure that the deliberations of the public body are open to the public and the public has an opportunity to, to have their say. Well, and um, what about citizen participation remotely? Uh, because, you know, yeah, in-person meetings, very valuable. Not everybody can get down to the meeting. You know, people have kids and jobs and all sorts of things there. Could there be a provision to let people weigh in remotely via Zoom or some other format to have more citizen involvement, even if they can't physically be down to the municipal center? Yeah, the legislature added in the statute, and it was really practiced in the city of Springfield prior to it a few years ago, actually says that, uh, that the, the public bodies must provide an opportunity for public comment on their, you know, you put it on your agendas and have that window of opportunity. The public bodies are also required to adopt rules. City of Springfield has simple rules that I think we limited to five minutes. You have to contact uh, the clerk's office 24 hours in advance and and notify them you wish to speak on a certain topic. And, uh, you know, so maybe there's a way utilizing existing statute uh, where that could be done. That's that's an interesting idea for sure. Alderman Jim Donnellan is here with us uh, as we are in a modified council roundup this morning, talking about some of the things that are happening down at City Hall and with the City Council. There was a, a discussion last night related to animal control, and this is something Alderwoman DeCenzo brought up. I know she feels very strongly about it. I know there has been some talk about uh, should the city consider consider maybe taking this particular responsibility back onto itself rather than paying uh, the county for what uh, she and some others see as a a substandard operation for animal control. Where do you stand on that? Well, I I don't think the city has any business taking over that function. Uh, You know, we once had it. uh, That ship has sailed. It's it's, uh, moved on to the to the, to the county. Now, I say that, but we've been getting a number of calls and emails from individuals in our boards that have issues. Uh, the most recent issue is the respiratory issue with the cats at the animal control facility. And I think when we get those kind of calls, we need to sit down and seriously have a discussion on, you know, what happened here and what can we do and, and can we do things differently? I know when the contract comes up and it's, uh, I don't know, in the tune of $300,000, I think uh, the city contributes directly, let alone tax dollars. But uh, it's, uh, you know, something that comes up and it seems to get quite contentious. Uh, and uh, but it's, uh, I think uh, Alderwoman DeCenzo said it last night. Let's start talking about it now, not when the contract is is up or coming up. Uh, 
And uh, I'd be in favor of those discussions for sure. Well, and, and you can have those discussions. But, for example, the city has sent uh, several aldermen in recent years to serve on the county's board of health, which has a connection to animal control. And the county has said, thanks, but no thanks. We, d- we don't want your, <laughs> your alderman on our board. Uh, and so there are no aldermen seated on the board. So you can have the talk. But what says the county is going to have any interest in listening to you? Well, I think we obviously have leverage, financial leverage, and, and we are the largest city in the county. However, uh, I think it makes sense to have some representation on the Board of Health. Uh, that's something that was negotiated in the contract that when the city and county merged uh, those departments years ago, over 10 years ago, and uh, it was uh, set for a specified time, and, and uh, there is a statutory provision that would allow it to be expanded. And I think it makes sense to, to, to do so. I mean, we we have a financial interest. We have uh, citizens that are obviously very interested in the quality of services, and, and it makes sense to have some representation, for well, sure. You have leverage, but the, the leverage is you pay them a, a whole bunch of money to uh, to provide these services. If you threaten to withdraw the money, then you've got to provide the services, which you just said the city has no business doing. So where where exactly is the leverage then? Well, I think the leverage is the fact that we are the largest city and, and that uh, the, the county in the past has, you know, on various issues, whether it's this one or others, uh, been willing to sit down and talk. But I think, as you alluded to, we don't need to be threatening anybody. We don't need to be uh, uh, doing anything rash. We need to have uh, reasonable discussions well ahead of time so that something could be, if something needs to be altered or changed, that we can agree to it. Let's talk about That's a few. That's what I'm in favor of. Sure. Let's talk about a few other things that have been going on with the city. Uh, Dolman 33 suspended and uh, will uh, almost certainly be retired a couple of years uh, ahead of schedule. Uh, what are your thoughts on how that whole situation has been handled, and what does it mean for CWLP going forward? Well, it's a shame that it that it happened the way it did. Uh, it's a shame that the information that it was going to close ahead of the 2023 schedule. Uh, was leaked out prior to the employees even being notified. Uh, that was not good, to say the least. Um, but it's, uh, you know, there's, we, we were going to, those, the, I think the number of employees working directly on 33 has been dwindling because those individuals have either been retiring or moving to other jobs within or within the city, whether it's utility or some other area. Um, it's unfortunate that, you know, all of a sudden uh, they, they find out through the media that, uh, those jobs are going to be going away, uh, but it's something that was going to happen anyway. It just doesn't make uh, fiscally. It doesn't make sense uh, for the city to invest that money in 33 and then close it uh, in a short amount of time thereafter. So uh, I think the main thing that's important is a couple things that are extremely important here. One is the the uh, reliability of uh, the generation of power, the transmission of power. Um, and uh, we need to make sure that uh, the upgrades occur on our transmission lines because we, like right now today, I believe, Unit 4, which is the only operating unit out there, is down. So we're buying off the grid. We need to make sure that we can do that on a more regular basis, and that investment, I know, is uh, being pushed for by the department and the council. But, uh, you know, you also have the jobs component and the, the human component. We have we have employees that, um, you know, nobody wants to see somebody lose a job, but uh, fortunately, the utility has been planning uh, for a transition. It just it just happened. Uh, it's going to happen a little sooner, which isn't good. So, 
Uh, along the lines of uh, staffing levels and the human component, the fire department, uh, earlier this year, a majority of the city council voted to cut more than a million dollars in the fire department budget. That money was eventually put back. And now there's concerns that we need to get more firefighters hired uh, to alleviate some of the overtime costs there. Uh, what's your assessment of how the fire department is handling uh, staffing and manning levels and what should happen going forward? Well, I was not for the cuts that occurred in the fire department. It was $1.4 million. And if anybody that knows anything about the fire department looks looks at the budget and knows that a significant portion, uh, over 90%, is is uh, it's, it's human costs. It's it's staffing. And uh, so a $1.4 million cut it impacted staffing. So uh, through, the, through the money, some of the money that we received through the COVID relief, uh, we were able to put that money back, thank goodness. But yeah, uh, overtime goes up when the staffing levels are down, and they are down, and we need to hire a new class because when if you decided today to hire a new class, I don't think we'd have a firefighter that's in that class even on duty for nine months. It takes that long to get people uh, up to speed, trained. It's and, actually uh, 10, according to Chief Blau, but yeah. Yeah, they're even worse, so there you go. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we, uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about that. Uh, it's a really important issue uh, for the city. Another issue we've been talked about a lot with the city council uh, is uh, proliferation of gaming establishments. There's been some efforts to try to rein that in. Uh, also, the 3 a.m. bars, which, uh, you know, effectively right now it's just the mayor imposing his own moratorium on that. Uh, do you think more should be done as far as gaming establishments to further restrict and limit uh, any additional such facilities uh, popping up in town? Well, I think we did that last week, and the mayor had an ordinance that he put forward that uh, the, there was a loophole in the, in, the, in the code that basically allowed for, uh, like, a liquor store to get a pouring license, and when you get a pouring license, evidently you can apply for a gaming license. And those those types of establishments were popping up, and the mayor pushed this, uh, this ordinance, and we passed it to close that loophole. I think that's an important step. Um, it's not something that, uh, from what I, I was a spectator at the time, but it's not it's not something that I believe that was the intent of uh, the legislature and the council, the intent of the legislature and the council when the gaming was uh, put into place was to uh, not only allow for gaming, but allow for them at bars and restaurants. Uh, They're experiencing, uh, they made it very clear that they believe they were experiencing setbacks from the smoking ban, and this was a way to help alleviate some of those financial impacts. So uh, I think we're kind of getting we're getting really circling back around to the, the, the roots of what the intent of the statute was originally. What about, though, just letting the marketplace decide? And if people want to go to a liquor store and gamble a little while they're there, why not let them? Why, why not just let competition sort it all out? Well, I think the competitive part is fine and that in, in the bars and restaurants. And yes, it is, it is but why shouldn't a liquor store be able to compete, too? Well, I don't think that was the original intent, and and uh, it's the intent was to allow for these types of establishments. I mean, then, then again, let's just look at it the other way. Okay, why don't we just allow it anywhere? At laundromats, at at, uh, at uh, grocery stores, you name it. I mean, this, these it can get out of hand, and and uh, I think this is a way to. But but if it's out of hand, won't the marketplace determine that? Won't people not put money in, and it won't be fiscally prudent for these businesses to have it? I think letting the marketplace play out is fine, but. Letting it happen in any any in any and all walks of life was with the intent of the statute. So 
that's not something I would be for. Uh, any, uh, what are you expecting in terms of uh, reviving some of these ordinances related to uh, panhandling, solicitation, especially on busy streets and uh, busy intersections and things? Are those coming back? Uh, are, are those ordinances uh, a, a good idea, or are they risky because of the First Amendment implications? Well, I think it's clear that we, the council doesn't want these types of activities to occur. We've heard from our constituents. We've heard from visitors that it's it's getting out of hand and and i mean you drive drive up and down you know a lot of the major streets in all areas of the city and you see it and it's unsafe I and mean, we have individuals that are out in the medians i saw it i saw it a couple of weeks ago out on uh, veterans parkway i see that on dirksen parkway uh, quite often and uh but when last time we passed an ordinance and i think it was the one that uh limited the you, know, you can't approach somebody uh, within so many feet and, and ask for money, and I think it was even in a specified area, like downtown, and uh, that was challenged. And uh, this, these groups uh, basically find somebody to that has uh, a local presence, and these attorneys uh, sue on behalf of that individual, and it costs the city hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that individual gets uh, just a small share, and the uh, attorneys make all the money. And uh, so we got to tread those very lightly. When these ordinances was that you're talking about were proposed and put on our agenda, we got a letter from a group basically threatening to sue us. And finally, Alderman Jim Donnellan, uh, I know it's still just 2021, but late in 2021 and the uh, clock is running. Any thoughts about your plans for 2023? Always thinking ahead, Jim. And yeah, I have lots of thoughts about 2023. I just can't believe it's, it's fast approaching like it is. I'll tell you, I love and it's an honor to be the Ward 9 Alderman. Uh, I, I enjoy when somebody asked me just the other day, what do, you, what do you like most about it? And it's getting those phone calls from people in, in my neighborhoods of Ward 9 and, and, and the ability to help them resolve some type of issue. And that's, that's that kudos to our departments, our directors, and all of what they do to help make that happen. I mean, it's, it's something I'm proud of and, and uh, something we're able to accomplish. But always looking ahead, uh, we, we got to decide that here, not too, not too far off future, and, and uh, we'll see where, where life leads. We'll, sure. we'll continue to ask you that question from time to time until we find out for sure. And-